Welcome to your Wednesday Strip Sports Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Good stuff coming up here in just a little bit. Minnesota Wild Day. Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune joins me, and so does Wild forward Nick Bugstead. Lots of good talk about this team that keeps coming back in games. Can't uh, can't count them out on anything this season, which bodes well for the playoffs, although I think they might like to tighten some things up a little bit. So we'll talk to both uh, Sarah McClellan, our beat writer, and Nick Bugstead, Blaine product, former gopher, now wild forward in just a little bit. But first, what did I miss? You guys, we keep talking about this Twins bullpen, the Twins, you know, how they've struggled this season. And Tuesday's game was just kind of one of those games where everything came together in a negative way. Kind of this idea that has permeated the twin season that one bad thing magnifies the rest. Now, here, here's kind of how the dominoes fell last night to make it so you get to the 10th inning and it feels like you almost have no chance and you're going to lose in extra innings again. So, J-Hap pitches fine, but he only pitches five and a third innings, right? So... You know, that's been kind of a theme. That's about how long Twins pitchers have gone this season on average. And again, that's probably pretty close to the Major League average. So it's not like this is a brand new thing. But when you know you're going to need 11, 12 outs every game from the bullpen, you need better bullpen arms. It's it's just that simple. And the Twins don't have good bullpen arms right now. They're 24th in the majors in bullpen ERA. It would be even worse if you counted all the unearned runs because I think they've given up like 13 unearned runs because you got to remember most of those extra innings runs are unearned runs uh, because with the runner starting on second, they don't count those as earned runs. So, you know, the bullpen has been even worse than I think than the numbers would suggest in some cases. But here's the thing. When you need 11 or 12 outs, you should have a better bullpen. That's a failure of you know, roster imagination by Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. Whether it's that they thought they had better pitching, whether it's that they tried to get guys and didn't, whether it's that they thought they could gradually improve and get better as the season went along, it just hasn't worked. It, they've, they've been an arm or two short almost from the start, and they should have known that they needed more based on how little they were going to use their starters because they were going to protect those arms as the season went along. So you need all those outs. You pitch basically all the guys you trust. Even remotely, Hansel Robles pitches great. Gets you through set. Gets you through the seventh inning. You still have that three-one lead. Um, then you got, uh, you know, Tyler Duffy comes in. He he gives up a hit, but he gets you gets you two more outs. And you got to get four outs from Taylor Rogers, which shouldn't be a huge lift, but it's still you know a significant outing for a relief pitcher. Gets through the eighth, but the ninth he gives up the home run. He gets a little bad luck. They tie, the Rangers tie the game. And then you're thinking, uh-oh, here we go again. Twins were 0-5 in extra inning games going into that. Not a fluke because of how bad their bullpen has been, because of how bad their late hitting has been. Do you guys realize now, and I'm going to spoil this because they lost 6-3 in extra innings. In the ninth and 10th innings this year, the Twins have been outscored 28-3. to 28 to 3 and that is not a fluke it's a little bit of an you know I don't think it's going to be that way all year but it does show you where they have struggled so they get through all those all those guys so you can't use Robles you can't use Duffy you can't use Rogers in the 10th inning Alexander Colomay has had all sorts of struggles he's not going to get the 10th so what does it come down to Brandon Waddell who's given up you know a bunch of runs just the night before gets the 10th inning and predictably what's happened he gives up a, a home run Gives up a couple more hits, six three. There is your ball game, and so, so you got that side of things. On offense, one mat, one bad thing magnifies another. You got to have 
Alex Kirloff has a late scratch with a wrist injury, and it sounds like that's a little bit ominous, right? We're going to get a further update on that today. He's going to go see a specialist. That doesn't sound great, just as you get excited about one thing about this rookie who's hit a bunch of home runs. Uh, now it looks like he could be out for an extended period of time. So he's out of the game. Uh, he's not playing, not available. Luis Arias, another one of your best hitters this season, or at least one of your most reliable hitters this year. Um, he's on the concussion protocol, in the, on a concussion DL, so he's out. So you get to the tenth inning, you get you know you get a couple base runners, you get the tying run at the plate, and it's Jake Cave who's struggled all year long, who's played more than anybody probably imagined because of various things. He's been available, but because of you know injuries, COVID, all sorts of things, Jake Cave has played a ton this season. So. He doesn't get a hit. Williams lost the deal, grounds to a double play. I mean, he's it's fine if he's up because he's he hit a home run earlier in the game. I'm not saying that's a bad decision to bat him. I'm just saying you don't have your best batters up. You don't have a lot of options for what you might do in that situation. So just one of those games where everything gets magnified, everything goes wrong, everything about this team that's been poorly constructed and, you know, a little bit unlucky. They still have outscored opponents this year by like a run or two. So the the record still should be better, but should doesn't matter for much when you're eleven and seventeen. Today is the five year anniversary. Chip Scoggins tweeted this the other day. The five year anniversary today of when he called up uh, owner Jim Polad in two thousand sixteen and got the infamous total system failure quote. That was a fifty nine and one oh three team. I don't think this team is nearly that bad. That team started eight and twenty. They went eight and twenty in their next uh, their next twenty eight games. That was a bad, bad, bad team. This is a team it's a little bit, you know, unlucky right now, but their roster construction is problematic and I think it comes back to a lot of different things I had Thad Levine on the show two months ago asked him point blank do you have enough pitching convince me and he said we have enough pitching time will tell if I'm proven right I think time I think time is proving them wrong at this point really quick let's get to some of your hot takes on the twins before we get to the wild because I asked you for these and you loaded them up Joe says might want to ask Manfred if we can shorten all games to eight innings and eliminate extra innings eight innings is the perfect length I think if the games were eight innings they might be in business Matt uh, this is something I just said he said cannot stop thinking about Levine coming on the pod and screaming about how set they were in pitching when anyone paying attention did not buy it now to be fair he wasn't screaming, but uh, yeah, he, he was pretty adamant that he thought they had enough pitching. Matt said, this is not necessarily a take, but I cannot accept how laughably wrong he is on that one. Um, Jay Bowler says, we need to consider adding Lou Ford to this bullpen. Good. I, uh, there, someone else had a tweet about Williams Ostadio. So, so at least people have found some humor in, in all this. Um, if the Twins can't win now, how are they going to win when Buxton has an extended stint on the DL? That's real Super Dave. Yeah, it's a good point. And they haven't even played the best teams this year. Their schedule has been okay. I mean, they have played Boston, they have played Oakland, and guess what? They were like, I think, 1-6 and six against those uh, two teams. So, you know, when they're playing the best teams, they're losing even more. So I'm worried that when, they, that when the schedule gets even better, things are not going to get better. A lot of these questions have to do with the bullpen, other stuff, so I'm not going to run through all that because I got to a lot of this. But a lot of people questioning the use of Brandon Waddell last night, I get it. I, I just don't know what other option they had. They didn't have great options, and that's, you know, because they've burned guys, you know, the last two nights because they've had to use so much bullpen the last two nights, and, you know, then you only have so many options. I think maybe Jorge Alcala might have been a better option, but there's a lot of lefties coming up. I don't think they had a good option, and I think that showed in, in the results. 
at Minnesota Fan 84 saying Baldelli is making so many bad decisions. Yeah, I think his managing this year has been questionable, to say the least. I just think in the 10th inning last night, I think Waddell was a questionable decision. I just don't know what else he really could have done in that situation. And part of that is because he's burned through a lot of the bullpen, either by necessity or because of this organizational philosophy that they need to you know, get through only a certain number of pitches before they take their starters out. Brian saying perhaps Trevor May was worth the money. Yeah, I, th- I think they, I think they missed. I mean, you look back to last year, they had a lot more dependable bullpen arms. You didn't feel this impending sense of dread all the time when the bullpen was coming into the game. Couple positive ones. Bill says the Twins will still win the AL Central, and Mike Zanata says Rocco's still a really good manager. This is just a blip. I hope you guys are right for the sake of our summer because things get really boring around here when uh, when the Twins aren't relevant. Couple curses to finish this. Melissa says, I'm fully convinced that the Twins cursed themselves for all of eternity by adopting the abomination of a slogan that was, this is how we baseball. Good one, Melissa. And Charlie Ryback says, they're cursed and they'll always be cursed until they let Wally sell some beer to some underage kids again to chase the demons. Whatever's the problem, guys, you know, we'll see. I think the problem really comes down to the bullpen and, and the way things are constructed. I think they will get better. They're already kind of getting better. They probably should be more like a 500 team. But again, when you start to put loss after loss like this on the board, it looks less like a fluke and more like a trend. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to have Nick Bugstead wild forward on daily delivery today. Nick, uh, no stranger to Minnesota hockey fans, played at Blaine, played for the Gophers, never had to play Big Ten hockey, which was a great accomplishment in his uh, his career. He left right right when the WCHA was ending, and now he is on the wild. Nick, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, you know, right off the jump, I got a couple things I want to ask you. You know, the first thing, though, kind of has to do with my introduction of you and just, you know, when a player plays, you know, a lot of the early part of their career in in one place and then comes back much later to play professionally, you know, in Minnesota, especially in hockey where people are very attuned to kind of the hometown um, vibe. What, what, What was, what was it like coming back home to play professionally for the wild in the state that you're from? Yeah, it's, it's been different. Uh, it's been awesome. I, uh, when I, my agent called me and said I got traded, I couldn't have been more excited, uh, you know, coming back home and being able to play for the hometown team that I loved so much when I was a kid. So, I mean, as hockey players, you all kind of dream of it, um, playing for your, your team. And, you know, it, it, it happened. And, uh, yeah, it's been good, obviously, with the circumstance this year, it's been different. So not as uh, – not as many ticket requests as you would anticipate on a, on a normal, normal year. So maybe that's been a, one positive in this, in this no fan season. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've, I've loved being home. I've loved just uh, the team and the, the coaching staff has been great. So it's been a, it's been a great adjustment. And um, you know, I, I have a home here in the cities, so it really, it, it was easy on, on my wife and the children as well. You mentioned children. You've got a couple little ones, right? How's, how is it, you know, I, I know I'm in your boat a little bit. Mine aren't, I've only got one that's kind of in that 
age group. I think you were saying you have a seven month old and a two year old. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So, um, two daughters, Layla and Lucy, they've been keeping us busy and, um, you know, it's being home around family. That's been a huge benefit. And, uh, my wife's from Wisconsin, so her site is all over there and not too far away, but, um, yeah, just, I, I love being a father. These girls are so fun. Um, I have the two-year-old running around with a hockey stick every once in a while. And, um, you know, she seems to be into it. She's was at the store the other day, chanting go wild, go as loud <laughs> as she could. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun age. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot different, you know, being, being away half the time on the road. That's, that's probably the toughest part, um, being away from the girls, but, um, you know, FaceTime helps and all this technology helps. I don't know what they would have done back in the day. Uh, you just pack it up and you're away from the family for a few weeks, but at least we can FaceTime and see videos and whatnot. And, um, you know, my wife kind of takes the load while I'm gone, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been fun being a father so far. You have a dog, right? Too Milo. I think I was reading about your, for the foremost publication. I think there's something that, that goes through all the pets in the NHL. And I was reading about you and Milo. Is that the, is that the family yeah. dog? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can't forget about him. We got him down in Miami when we played and when I played for Florida. So, um, he's the protector of the family. He thinks he's tough. He's only about 15 pounds, but he makes it known that he's the alpha in the house. It's not really an enforcer. Um, but you, you know, you're not always tasked with that role, but you know, on, on the ice, you know, if I might transition to that a little bit, you've, you've had, you know, a lot of different experiences in your career you've had a lot of different even just this season you know you kind of shifting lines shifting you know when you I guess first off when you how does your role change or how does your game change you know depending on whether you're you know skating as a center skating as a wing depending on what you know what line you're on or what line mates you're with yeah I mean I knew coming into the season there were some you, you can't go in with an ego or expecting uh you know one way or the other, obviously coming from uh, Pittsburgh, I, I came off a year of not really playing hockey after a couple surgeries. So, um, you know, the main thing was just to come in and, and uh, play a role in whatever I can with this team. And, um, you know, like you said, it's been some different spots I've been in. Um, and, I, and I think it's good to be able to move from the wing to center. I, I don't really prefer one over the other, honestly, but um you know, I, with this team, it's so deep, uh, no matter what line you're on that night, uh, you know, you're, you're never thinking, oh, we're not going to have chances. You know, it's, it's every line that seems to be pitching in here with this team. And, you know, that's what, that's, what's created so much success with us. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just, and I'm enjoying being the guy that can play with different guys and, um, you know, night in night out I'm just trying to compete and you know from day one I just wanted to try to help this team in whatever way I could so continue to try to do that and obviously down the stretch here we're gonna need we're gonna need everyone so um it's gonna be a gonna be a fun ride and um yeah I'm just the morale of the team has been been amazing I'm glad you mentioned Kaprizov I was gonna ask you about him I'm, I'm sure you know, I think most people were aware of him, at least to some degree, and especially, you know, wild fans kind of anticipating when he would arrive. 
being his teammate, is there anything that I guess surprised you or that you didn't anticipate, whether it's about him personally, whether it's about his game that you're like, wow, I, I did not, I did not see that coming or that, that part of it surprises me. Yeah, I think, I mean, you, you saw him in the Olympics, you see clips of him scoring goals, you know, he's coming from Russia as a highly touted skilled player, but from day one, even just, we were having captain's practice and when he showed up, the thing that impressed me most, it was his work ethic and how he wasn't really your typical uh, high-end um, goal scorer where he doesn't really – he plays both sides of the pucks, uh, puck, and, uh, you know, he, he battles in the corners. I went into the corner with him, and uh, he let it be known that he wasn't going to give up the puck <laughs> without a fight. And so, like, yeah, I mean, he's just a strong kid, and, and he works – um, extremely hard. So he's like a blue collar skill guy, which those are hard to find. And, um, you know, it's, it's just been amazing to see him flourish all season and his mentality, just kind of how he operates, um, through the highs and lows. There's, he's pretty, pretty stoic in the way that, uh, you want to be, if you're a top athlete in, the, in any sport, we always say, don't be high don't be too high. Don't be too low. And he's just naturally, uh, you know, naturally like that. So it's, it's cool to see from such a young kid and, um, what he brings on and off the ice, he's always smiling and, um, you know, working at his game. So that's, that's the kind of player this organization was looking for. And, um, you know, he's, he's doing great things. Chatting with Nick Bukestead, last thing for you, Nick, um, you know, you played a good chunk of your career in Florida. You played some in, in Pittsburgh. You know, Florida didn't have a ton of team success while you're there. You've only played in, I think, nine career playoff games. It are, you know, that said, as you look at this wild team and you think about, you know, getting into the postseason and perhaps making a run, what, what stands out to you as, you know, the, the, the thing a team needs to do or, or what does this team have that, that makes you think it can make a deep run? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it all year where um, our depth from our forwards and defense and, and goaltending, it's it's um, been a huge part of our identity. And, um, you know, we're not – we don't uh, take nights off really as a team. I think when, when one line's going, uh, another might not be that night, but we kind of pull each other's slack sometimes. Um, but when the playoffs come, obviously it's a whole nother animal. It's a whole nother speed. And, um, it's just, it's going to come down to matchups and you got to really be aware in the moment. Obviously we're going to, we're going to square up against a good team. So, um, we're going to really have to find ways to come together. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't doubt our, our team for a second. I think we can do some great things and, um, if we continue to keep growing here, we have five more games. I think it is, and yeah. it's going to be big going into the playoffs with some confidence and, um, you know, no second guessing. So it's like you said, I haven't played in many playoff games, but when, when I did, it's, uh, it's the most fun hockey to play. It's, it's, uh, I can't even describe it. It's a, it's another level. And, um, you know, it's, I think this team is, excited to take the next step and excited to see where we can go. 
Nick Bukestad, thank you so much for joining Daily Delivery today. Good luck with the rest of the season and into the postseason, and uh, good luck down the road, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Minnesota Wild Super Show. Sarah McClellan joins Daily Delivery right now. Sarah, your t- the team you cover has uh, been living on the edge a little bit, but uh, also uh, living to tell the story with some pretty nice comebacks lately. What do you, I guess, A, that's a good sign that a team can, you know, dig that kind of hole and come back for it, from it, but do you sense that they, uh, as, as much as they like that attribute about themselves, that they might like to tighten up a few things and, and not have to scramble from these, uh, from these dramatic, uh, dramatic deficits so much? For sure. Yeah. You definitely have to watch to the end lately, you know, with these wild games, if you, if you turn off the TV or you turn away with less than five minutes to go, you're missing kind of like the most important part of these games lately. Um, I think you're right. I think, I think it's encouraging obviously that they have this resilience and it really does look like, you know, one win breeds the confidence to do it again and again. And, you know, going back to last Thursday, you know, they tied it in the third, obviously lost in, in overtime to St. Louis, but then the next night they won. Then the next, obviously we saw what happened Monday night. Um, I I mean, it's, it's important. I think especially, you know, that was Vegas, a potential playoff opponent to not let, you know, the golden Knights get any points to come back in regulation. Very, very meaningful. Um, And I think it's, it's important too to kind of see, who's behind these rallies, you know, obviously Talbot's been, been key in the third period on Monday to kind of give the wild, you know, that opportunity to come back. Um, obviously same capital Kakinen was in net the previous game. Um, but you know, Jonas Brodine with the shot from the point, um, Kirill Kaprizov, you know, with two game tying goals now in the last three games. Um, and Kevin Fiala too, is kind of the architect behind it all, whether he's scoring in overtime or setting someone up. Um, so it definitely looks like they're confident. This doesn't phase them. Um, you know, and, and I think that's important because that crunch time, that minute to go, that down a goal, that's going to probably feel like the whole playoffs. Like that's going to be the vibe all the time, not just, you know, goalie pulled looking for that game time goal late in the third. Having said that, you know, I don't think this is the ideal scenario for every win. I don't think they want to be down by multiple goals in the third period. I don't think they want to have their backs against the wall. But, you know, I guess if you had to find a way to fine tune or get ready for the playoffs, this seems to be working for them. You know, you kind of look back, they clinched in San Jose on the road at the end of last month and they come home, you know, to have this series against St. Louis and it just kind of looked off for a few games. And, you know, I I think though, once they started to kind of get their gaming gear in those third periods and rally, they started to look more like themselves. And if that's kind of the spark they need to, you know, finish off this series with Vegas, take on Anaheim and then go to St. Louis and wrap up the regular season. I think it's really important to go in with good habits and rolling and not just like think you'll turn a switch. Cause I don't think that necessarily exists. So it's important to clean up the game. It's important to go in, um, you know, feeling good about yourself, but having a little extra swagger from like stunning a team with two goals, less than two minutes, who's like leading the division. I don't think that's necessarily a bad vibe to have right now either. And they play Vegas one more time, like you said, on Wednesday. Have we, is there a reason you think that you can, you've been able to discern? I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be either Vegas or Colorado. 
unless the wild is somehow able to magically jump up and win the division, but that's going to take a lot of, you know, a lot of things that have to break their way in the final, you know, four or five games based on opponents and things like that. But have we figured out why they seem to play Vegas so much tougher than Colorado and do they, have they publicly or even privately allowed themselves to talk about potential first round opponents yet? I think they're aware, obviously, of, of what's out there and the, and the landscape of the division. I don't think they've, you know, dug too deep into, you know, this is, could be this or it could be that. Um, but obviously, we know this is, this is a preview. And, you know, I think obviously history would suggest this is the most, the more favorable matchup to play Vegas. Um, even if they have to start on the road, um, they've proven that they are not phased by, you know, that building and playing, you know, playing as the road team in Vegas. Um, I, you know, I think when you watch, especially kind of this season, um, I, as much as, you know, they're different, they're not like, you know, that they, they have strong goaltending, um, really, you know, steady blue lines, you know, you know, maybe Vegas doesn't have, you know, the name power recognition, maybe of, of some other defenses, but that's a solid defense really led by Shea Theodore, Alec Martinez. Um, and, and they roll lines, you know, there's depth up there. And, and I think that's, that's what's working for the wild too. You know, obviously Vegas has Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty. Those are their two leaders. Who's the wild. It's Kevin Fiala and Kirill Kaprizov. I think, you know, not that they're mirror images of each other, but I think they try to play the same way. And I think they're built very similarly. So we've seen it play out on the ice, very competitive series, mostly one goal games, um, uh, you know, a back and forth. It's not, a, it's not as heavy of a game as like the St. Louis series, you know, it's not as gritty and grindy, but it's tough. It's tough to work out there. They make it tough on each other. I think by, you know, more finesse, you know, limiting time and space and, you know, really trying to flex then on, on special teams and power plays and penalty kills become so much um, magnified, much more magnified. So I, I think they just mesh well, whereas Colorado, Colorado is a little bit of a different breed. You know, they're, they're, they're fast. And, um, you know, they obviously have arguably the best line in hockey. And, and I think just that, that power, um, it, it, it challenges the wild. And it's not like they can't stand up to that. They have. Um, they've been on both ends of the spectrum in that series this season against Colorado. But I think just Vegas is just more kind of familiar. That's kind of like, okay, I can defend that. I know that. That's how I play. Um, and so I, I think it clicks. But like you said, we'll see. We still have to see how this division shakes out this last week or so. And um, But I think that's – and I think that's why it's been entertaining. I think that's why these games have just had that, you know, that entertainment value, especially like we saw Monday where, you know, you kind of look, okay, maybe Vegas is going to just kind of sail away with this and not so fast. So – It'll be intriguing to watch, especially, you know, where everybody sets up, because that also will carry into home ice advantage beyond the first round, too. Last thing for you, Sarah, um, the player who has led the charge in a lot of cases and, you know, a couple of game time goals in the last, what, three games or so, Kirill Kaprizov, we, we can't talk enough about him and talk to Nick Bukestead about him for this today's podcast as well. Like what, you know, as we think about the Calder, we've heard you know, arguments, he played professionally in Russia. You know, we hear this every time someone's a little bit older and in line for this award for my money. He's, he's just, he's the, he's the Calder winner. End of story. How do you think, how do you view that? And, and can you like, just put into words how much even more he's grown 
as the season's gone along? Cause it seems like he adds something, you know, almost every week. Yeah, that's a really good observation because you're right. I don't think he's been like stagnant. I think he's continued to grow his game. And that's probably a hallmark of a player who's going to do something special in this league. The way I look at it is that it's, you know, for a first year player in this league, you know, the most proficient first year player in this league. He had never played in this league before. That's how I that's how I interpret that. And so, you know, he had experience playing in the KHL in Russia, but that transition doesn't mean it's going to be seamless. You know, like we've seen players, not every player that comes from the KHL, the NHL wins the Calder and takes over a team and just, you know, wows and dazzles. It's, it's not a given. Um, And so I, I think that, you know, what he's done this season has been really impressive. And I think the fact that he's done it, you know, under the spotlight of a team that has been hungry for a player of like, that caliber. He didn't come in and join a Connor McDavid and a Leon Dreisaitl or a Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. He came in as that, that only player of that kind of um, caliber. And so you're right. I think the fact that, you know, he's scoring meaningful goals, like we said, he's scoring late in games, tying games. I, I think that shows obviously a poise and, and, you know, a clutch to his game that, the wild needs every team needs everyone needs that player that I can count on him he's going to go out there and he's going to make something happen and so I think aside from the records and the accolades the fact that he's playing in important situations that not everyone can handle that not everyone can deliver in I think that's what's really encouraging that he can be someone here with that staying power Sarah McClellan great stuff read her start to starttribune.com follower on Twitter Sarah thanks for joining daily delivery again and uh, we'll catch you again down the road okay Sounds good. Thanks. Let's stay on the ice and finish with the cooler. Tom Wilson, Washington Capitals forward, not suspended for his role in an on-ice incident the other day. He's a five-time suspended player, but this time he gets off scot-free. Rangers were not happy. This statement from the New York Rangers. The New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these types of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Players Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. We view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL Head of Player Safety George Peros and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. Wow! You never see people put on blast like that unless it's uh, Chicken Finger 69 coming on the show earlier this year to be upset about uh, um, Kevin Fiala's three-game suspension. And I cut that part out because I thought he was being too hard on George Peros. Turns out he should just go work for the New York Rangers, but... That'll do it for today. Great shows coming up the rest of the week. Gerson Rosas, Timberwolves president, will be on Thursday's show. Answered a lot of questions from me. I had a lot of questions about the lottery. I had a question, had some questions about whether he would do the trade with Golden State all over again if he knew how this year was going to play out. So you want to listen to that. Friday, Chip Scoggins is going to be on the show. Like I said, five years it's been since the total system failure column. I don't think we're headed that quite that far this year, but I'll let Chip answer that question and see where he thinks this team is headed. Thank you for listening today to Daily Delivery. Download this podcast, subscribe to Star Tribune and StarTribune.com, and we will see you again on Thursday.